Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, I've been with you about a year and a half now, and uh, I'm sure you've picked up by now that uh, a little window into my heart, when it comes to my heart, when it comes to my own love of Jesus, I, uh, I just, I'm such a mama's boy. So when it comes to these Marian feasts, I, I feel both like so excited and at the same time, like as a priest, as a preacher, just so, like it's so daunting to like, what am I, what, like, do I, do I have like three hours to talk about you, Mary? No. No, what's good this week, what's good about this solemnity, this, this night, for you at least, is that I've got uh, this Sunday at 6.30 here in the church, I get to speak about Mary for another two hours. So I was like, all right, Patrick, you don't have to say everything tonight in this one homily. You can save it for a Sunday. So this is just the appetizer. You've got to come back for Sunday for the two-hour-long homily on Our Lady of Guadalupe, all right? So that's the preliminary. So here, here we go. Here's my heart. So... Uh, one of the most moving memories for me uh, upon entering the seminary was the very first night. So you move your stuff in, you're all freaking out, you're trying to figure out, like, is this, did I make a mistake? Is this a good thing? Who are these people? Am I supposed to have my hands folded the whole time? Right? All the, all the questions. Right? Do I speak Latin yet? No? All right, I'll, I'll figure this out. But that evening, that night, you know, you get, everyone gathers, all the seminarians gathered in the chapel, uh, Resurrection Chapel, in the dark, you have a taper candle. We gathered to pray night prayer together, right? Uh, Compline, the church's liturgy hours. And at the end of Compline, at the end of night prayer, uh, the seminarians, we all chant, just like everybody chants for the end of night prayer. We chant the Salve Regina, Hail Holy Queen. It was the first time I'd ever heard the Salve Regina chanted and chanted by about 50 men, right, who by and large, had decent enough singing voices. And when you're in enough reverbery environment, right, the echo chamber of the chapel, everything sounds good, right? So uh, it was a hauntingly beautiful moment. And um, for me, I, I just remember standing there, holding this candle, listening to this hymn as we're all facing this statue of Mary, just crying, just tears just start coming down my cheeks. That prayer, that Salve Regina, became one of the most, uh, one of my favorite prayers of all time. I, um, I still chant it in Latin when I pray night prayer just because it means so much to me. In particular, there's a few lines in there that stand out. And one is, we call Mary, we say that she is our life, she's our sweetness, and then we say she's our hope. Our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Why our hope? That's what I want to look at. Why our hope? In what way can we say that Mary is our hope? Well, a few, a few weeks ago, uh, I was in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was away for a week of retreat. I was at the Theology of the Body Institute. Uh, I was serving as the chaplain, and they had this huge image of Our Lady Guadalupe. And I, I spent a lot of time contemplating this image. And in this just singular moment of grace, this insight, I was looking at this image, and the thought occurred to me, and it never had occurred to me before, looking at Mary, I thought, she is not the exception. She is not the exception to the rule of what humanity is. She is humanity. All of us were the exception. Like, she is what we are meant to be. She is the definition of humanity. And maybe you're thinking right now, like, Father, okay, you just said that this is going to be a homily about hope. I don't feel very hopeful yet, right? Like, she's up here and we're down here. Is that good news? I don't know. That doesn't feel like good news. 
No, that's not what I'm saying. Like, that's not at all what I'm getting at, right? Like, what's the good news about that? She's up there, we're down here. No, here's what I'm getting at. I think when we're honest with our hearts, that buried in all of our hearts, I don't care if you're, if you're 10 or 110, buried in all of our hearts, in our hearts, we all carry, is there not a yearning in our hearts to be something so much more than merely human, so much more than what we currently are? Is there not a yearning to be more? Right? There's a hunger, I think. There's a real restlessness. Like There's something in our hearts I want to be just simply more than what I am. And it's only the cruelty of a fallen world that beats that out of us as we age, right? The cruelty of a fallen world that says, no, have realistic expectations. Be sensible. Like, dial that back. You shouldn't want to be an astronaut, a poet, a jet fighter, and a surgeon all at the same time, right? A memory came back not too long ago, and I've been just really sitting with it, with the Lord in my holy hours in the morning. I was about five years old. I was with my best friend at the time, Nick Waldron. He and I are still in touch. He lives out in California. But him and I and my dad uh, went to go see, at the Palace Theater downtown Cleveland, went to go see David Copperfield. Not the uh, play, but the magician, right? Okay, right. I wasn't a very cultured five-year-old. I wanted to see magic, okay? So five-year-old David Copperfield. The culmination of his show, he, you know, he does all these crazy illusions. He's absolutely one of the best, you know, magicians uh, Around, but the culmination, the grand finale of his show, is he like did this like he flew on stage, right? I'm five years old. I'm watching this. It was the combination of the scenery, the smoke on the stage, the music, and I'm sitting there, five years old, watching this man flying across the stage. A man, if I could have exploded, like I probably would. Like there, like five year old little me, I was just like unbelievable. It was an unbelievable scene. Like, that memory came back not too long ago, and I'd just been sitting with it, just thinking, Lord, like, that was a moment in my heart that just, like, there was a thought in my head that said, I want to fly. I want to fly. I remember watching On a Loop. You can ask my mom. I watched On a Loop for about three years, the movie Hook with Robin Williams. Anybody see this movie? Right? Hook with Robin Williams. It's a really cool movie. He plays, he's like, he's Peter Pan, but he doesn't remember he's Peter Pan, but he goes back to Neverland, and he has to remember that, remember how to fly. I remember watching that movie on a loop and just being so enamored. Like, there was this longing in me, like, I want to fly. I want to be able to soar. I want to, like, I want to be so much more than human. Like, and again, like, if we can be just vulnerable, like, vulnerable and honest about our hearts, like, what did you want when you were, like, to be, like, when you were a little kid? What has been buried? It's so interesting. I know we just, Halloween feels like months ago, but it's so interesting when you watch little kids at Halloween, right? Little kids, little ones. You ask them what they want to be for Halloween. Oh, I want to be a princess. Oh, okay, great. I want to be, I want to be a, I want to be a superhero. I want to be a uh, Spider-Man. I want to be, I want to be a, you know, something outlandish and amazing. I want to be like a superhuman figure, something more than what I am. And then as they age, as we age, you get like fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. You don't see a lot of princesses walking around anymore, right? You don't see a lot of like seventh graders dressed up as like Iron Man. You just don't. You see people dressed up as like weird things, like ironic things, like I'm, I'm going as a banana. Like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, remember when you wanted to be like someone who could fly? Like, yeah, no, that was stupid. I was a kid. I was a kid. 
Friends, like, what does this all have to do with the Immaculate Conception? What does it have to do with Mary as our hope? See, in Mary, we see that there is a corresponding greatness. There is a corresponding radiance. There is a perfection, a beauty, a luminosity, an integrity that, that my heart is unconsciously stretching and straining towards. In other words, like my heart, your heart, listen so like, carefully, your heart is not stupid for longing to be more. We've just told ourselves to grow up. Like in the Immaculate Conception, in this incredible solemnity that we're celebrating, Jesus, right, the divine Son of God, Jesus, as it were, reached forward in time and grabbed a hold of the merits and power of his resurrection, the victory he won on the cross. He reached forward in time, grabbed a hold of that grace, and applied it back in time at the very moment of his own mother's conception. Right? If you had the ability to sculpt your own mother, would you not have made her the most perfect being possible? Jesus, being God, being outside of space and time, he alone has that divine prerogative. And he did. He made his mother perfect, immaculate, preserving her, saving her from the stain of original sin. Right? Mary, just like us, is saved. But saved preemptively is what the church teaches, by a prevenient grace. Instead of being pulled out of the ditch, Mary was saved by, by she was saved from ever falling into the ditch of original sin. Right? That's what we're talking about. Mary, in this way, she's our hope because she proclaims to us, yes, this is what you are meant to be. And maybe we've got an issue with this because we think of Mary as this porcelain statue floating on a cloud bank. That is not who she is. In the book of Revelation, again, she is clothed in the sun. She's a woman on fire in joy and glory. She's dancing. That's how she appears in her first apparition of Our Lady Guadalupe. She's doing a victory dance. More on that Sunday. She's doing a victory dance. Like she is the proclamation of what you and I are meant to be. And God willing, by his grace, we will be. Right? This is, this is what this means. Like when you hear people say, well, I'm merely human. I'm only human. Like that is somebody who has no idea what it means to be human. If you have said that before, if I've said that before, we are settling, we are compromising, we are pulling back into a degradation that is so beneath our dignity as human, as human persons. Like, what it means to be human is Mary. She is the authentic anthropology, right? The study of the human person. What does it mean to human, be a human person? Look at her. She is what it means to be human. What does it mean to be human? It means to be capable of relationship with God, capable of being united with God, capable of being completely on fire with glory. That's what it means to be human. You don't know the greatness of humanity. She is the definition, right? In the same way we could say, like, Tiger Woods is the definition of golfer, right? Or Michael Jordan, the definition of basketball player. Mary is the definition of humanity. That's who she is. Okay, so again, back to our life, our sweetness, and our hope. All right, how is she our hope? Because when I look at myself, right, when I look at myself, I feel awfully hopeless down here. I am so far from that, right? Yes, our hearts are full of the heritage of the first Eve, right? Mary's the new Eve. Our hearts bear the heritage of the first Eve and the first Adam, which is a heritage of shame, a heritage of alienation, a heritage of brokenness and woundedness, a heritage of sin, 
And just like our first parents, we hide over and over and over and over again because we believe a lie very deep in our hearts that comes back, that goes back to the very beginning from the enemy who says, if anybody knew this about you, if God knew this about you, you wouldn't be loved. There are parts of you that have to be hidden because there's parts of you that are not lovable. So says the enemy. This is the heritage that we bear. So what's the, the question then is what can be done? First of all, is that true? And what can be done about all that? Friends, Christianity is not a program for sin management. It's not. And nor is it a program for like behavior modification, as if God was simply interested in having us just be well-behaved little boys and girls. Christianity is radical transformation unto glory. A glory that like you can't even fathom. St. Teresa of Avila, at one point, she... She had a vision. She had a visitation from a saint. A saint from heaven came and visited her in prayer. And Teresa of Avila, right, mystic, doctor of the church, she falls down in adoration and worship because she's convinced that the saint that is visiting her, she's convinced that this heavenly being is Jesus Christ, God himself. She's convinced that she's being visited by the glory of God. That's how, like, stunning it was. She, fell, she falls down to her face and the saint says, no, no, my sister, get up. I am but the lowest saint bearing to you the dimmest light of the glory of God. What does that mean? I have no clue. I have no idea. Other than we have no clue the glory to which we are called. We have no idea what it means to be human. Like, this is our destiny. We are to become, just like she is, immaculate, without blemish. Like, when you look at your heart, when you look at your soul, when you look at your story, y'all, if you're honest, which I hope you are, there's a lot of blemishes. You've got a lot of maculas, right? That's what the word macula means. It means blemish. There's a lot of blemishes, right? For the sins I have done and the sins I have failed to do, there is so much junk and stuff and brokenness in there. And my God, we are so busy with just numbing it, hiding it, running from it, excusing it, pretending it's not there. We are masters, Olympians, at figuring out how to hide from our own junk. But the incredible news of the gospel, the incredible news of this solemnity is Mary is saying, Jesus is saying, you are going to be immaculate. It is all going to be set right. It is all going to be redeemed. This is our destiny. This is what Paul says in that second reading. He says, God our Father chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. For what? To be condemned, to be shamed, to be belittled. No. To be holy and without blemish before him. To be immaculate before him. This is our destiny and the cross, right? Like, the cross is the way. The redemption wrought in Christ Jesus, like, it really is that powerful. Like, do not think for a moment that you're simply going to have to hobble your way through life 
hope to do as best as you can, and then like maybe God's going to say, okay, well, you got most of it good. Come on in. Like, do you realize, like, the cross, do not drain the cross of power. Don't drain it of its power. Like, this is the power of redemption. Like, Jesus can reach, he really can reach all the way down, all the way into the worst things in your heart. There is nothing that's unredeemable. He can reach down into the worst of it, and he can untwist it, and he can make it immaculate. The way we get there, the way we do that, is by walking Adam and Eve's route in reverse. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. We must do the opposite. I heard you, and because I know you love me, because I trust you, I will come out from hiding and show myself to you. Every married couple, this is the path that you are walking by the way. God, through your vows, is recreating Eden. My beloved, because I know you love me, because I trust the love you have for me, and because I trust that you're not going to go anywhere, I will show myself to you. This is our Jesus. We have to come out from hiding. We must let ourselves be seen in confession, in prayer. No more of these like just simple naming symptom confessions. Let's let the Holy Spirit name the things at the root. We must let our hearts be known with all of our blemishes out in the open. We must open our hearts to let him see us there. Someone sent me not too long ago a video of a, uh, the title of the video was um, Burn Victim Allows Boyfriend to Remove Makeup. Full disclosure, I don't typically click on makeup videos, but this one intrigued me, okay? So I clicked on it, and the video comes up, and the woman who is right there on the screen, she's this beautiful black woman, and I'm thinking, okay, who's she? Where's the burn victim? It turns out she's the burn victim, caked in layers of makeup, right? So the video goes on, and her, her boyfriend's there sitting across from her, and, and he begins with little sponges to start removing little layers of makeup. And you can see that she is very, like, emotionally... Like, it's just a very emotional thing, and he just, you can see in him that he is just so touched by this, and he keeps saying to her, like, I just, I love you so much, I just can't believe you let, you're letting me do this, and, and then the moment comes where, like, she actually removes her wig, you didn't know it's a wig, she removes her wig, and you can see all the scarring, and her, like, her, her burned face is just there and exposed, and all of a sudden, you, she just buries her face in her hands, she buries her face in her hands, because she knows, like, I can't bear to think, what does he look like looking at me? with all of my imperfections, all of my maculas, all of my blemishes out in the open. And he starts to cry, and then you as the viewer start to cry, and then all he does is he just rushes towards her and embraces her. That is Jesus, friends. That is how we are redeemed. That is how we enter into this immaculatization. You have to let him gaze upon you. That is the most courageous and most important thing we could do. Let him see you. Let him see you. Let him see you. There is no shortcut. There's no shortcuts to glory. There's no like path around the cross. There's no path around the cross. There isn't. If we go there though, he will take us to glory. So let's turn to our mother, our queen, as we ask her to intercede for us. Hail Mary, 
full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.